Welcome to Many Happy Miles, a podcast that celebrates all type of forward movement, whether it's swimming laps in your neighborhood pool, taking your bike down for maybe a little spin, or a brisk walk after a setback. We're here to say yay to all of it and bring on guests to inspire you to move with joy. I'm Dimity McDowell, co-founder of Another Mother Runner. And I'm Sarah Wasner Flynn, and I'm saying yay to summer because it's finally here. And Dimity, I promise we won't go off the deep end with our puns today, (laughs) but let's just dive right into our splashy subject for today's episode, swimming. I love it, Sarah. I love it. Oh my gosh. I got in the pool last week for the first time in, I mean, honestly, at least... Well, since December, since January, so that's a good five months. Um, I went with Amelia, my almost twenty-year-old, asked me to go swim at our community pool uh, at Masters. She was she was fired up to get there by five forty-five. I was like, "How can you say no to that?" Wow. So yeah, it was awesome. It was awesome. So yes, summer is here, and we know many of you out there will be spending time at the pool over the next few months. And maybe looking to get a workout in there. So we can't praise the benefits of swimming enough. Studies show that logging laps increases your lung capacity, builds muscle mass. It keeps your heart rate up without stressing your body. It can reduce the risk of chronic illnesses like heart disease and type 2 diabetes. It improves your stamina and overall fitness and really offers a mental health boost too. I will say, and uh, when Amelia and I got out of the pool, we just were like, oh, you know, she's very tall like I am. And we were like, oh, it's just so nice to have your body supported. Like feel like you're mm-hmm. getting a workout and not feel like you have to hold yourself up, which I'm sure is part of the benefits too. Oh, sure. Yes, I know. Just like you don't, you feel fresh. I feel, you're tired, but you're tired in a different way than any other sp- you know, running or biking or any other kinds of exercise. Um, and But there are, yeah, as you mentioned, there's so many benefits, but with all of those benefits come a lot of questions and unknowns, especially from those who didn't grow up swimming like you and I did, Dimity. You know, in fact, when we crowdsourced for questions for this episode, we got about 50 responses from the AMR community within a few hours, which wow. I was like, wow. <sighs> and, you know, so it's clear that many of you listening today want to get into swimming, but there might be a few hurdles standing in your way. Nice, which is why we're bringing on an expert right now who works with swimmers of all levels to address those concerns. And later, we're going to bring on a beginner swimmer who recently triumphed over some of the hurdles many of you are facing. Our goal for this episode, to get you all confident enough to jump right in and reap the benefits of swimming this summer and beyond, because there's nothing like getting out of a lap pool in December. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so let's go ahead and introduce our first guest. Um, I have to say I know her pretty well. It's none other than my sister, Laurel Wassner, who lives in New Jersey, in Jersey City. And we were brainstorming about this episode. And, you know, Laurel came to mind because she's recently taken on a new role that's totally applicable to this particular episode. She's a lifelong swimmer. She's taken her love of swimming literally all over the world. She was a member of the NCAA Division I swim team at George Washington University before transitioning to triathlon. She eventually became the first cancer survivor to turn pro in triathlon. And as a pro triathlete, Laurel completed some 14 Ironmans, including the Ironman World Championships in Kona, Hawaii, twice. She's won about three of those Ironmans. She's placed in top five and several others. And she was always, always one of the fastest swimmers in any race that she entered. And her latest focus has been on coaching for Team Whelpers, which 
People might recognize that name. It's Matt Wilpers of Peloton fame squad, as well as the Asphalt Green uh, swim team in Manhattan, where she guides athletes of all levels to their swim, bike, and run goals. So welcome, Laurel. Thank you for having me. That's quite a resume. Oh my gosh. I feel like I interviewed you, Laurel, back in the day when I was like a a sports and fitness journalist. Does that ring a bell? Yes, I remember exactly where I was. I was working at a magazine at the time. Oh, really? What magazine were you working at? I was working at Travel and Leisure Golf at the time. Wow. Um, wow. So I uh, was a photo editor. We're, we all have magazine backgrounds, which is cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember what you were talking to me about, but I think it was about, um, it was obviously about triathlon. And I think yeah. that was before I was a pro. So maybe yeah. something on my journey into doing triathlon. That's awesome. Awesome. Well, so we have a ton of questions and I understand that you are super good at teaching beginners. So um, we are going to just jump right in, right, Sarah? We're going to splash right into Mm -hmm. that deep end. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And why don't you start, Sarah? Yeah. So, okay. Picture yourself on the shores of Kailua, Kona, Hawaii, and the cannon is about to fire. Are you ready to be put in the hot seat? Yes. Okay. So... Yeah, so let's just jump with a straight to the point question from Amanda M, who asks, can adults learn to swim? Yes, absolutely. Adults can learn how to swim. Um, you, it, All it takes is the will to want to learn how to do something new. Um, there's some fears to overcome, but really just need to have that determination, um, will to practice a lot. And um, my w- number one piece of advice is find a good instructor who's patient with you, um, and can help you get through some of those little hurdles that happen at the beginning, um, fear of water, fear of open water, um, things like that, and just get the basics down. And then after that, it's a lot of practice and just getting to the pool, time in the pool. But I so know a you, lot of adults who have learned how to swim. How, how do they find someone like you, Laurel? That's probably the first question a lot of people have. Like, okay, I'm ready, but that's, yeah. Yes, um, going uh, local YMCA, have uh, Ys always have adult swim programs, most likely. Where I work at Asphalt Green, we have a great adult learn to swim program in New York. But yes, going to your local pool, and even if they don't have a specific adult program, you can say, I'm an adult. I, you know, just saying, I don't know how to swim. I want to learn, you know, do what you're doing with the kids. And they'll most likely say, okay, join, let's, let's do this. Uh, So it's mostly just about going to your, your pool. Like if it's a Y or, you know, summer swim club, Finding a pool. Okay. I have one adult friend I know that learned, tried to learn how to swim and wasn't really cool with how the instructor, like, was kind of going too fast for her. I mean, I just, I guess I would like you to talk for a minute about the agency that you have to be able to say, like, okay, I'm, you know, I am an adult, but maybe this is, you know, because it is, it's, you know, maybe if if they are in the mindset of teaching four-year-olds and you're coming to someone who might have had a, like a traumatic experience with the water, that kind of thing. I mean, is it okay to switch instructors and kind of, you know, shop around until you find the right person? Yes. And that's, that's a really good point because you want to be comfortable with the person. You want to be able to trust them that they're not going to just throw you into the deep end. Intended. <laughs> you you know like you're you start out small you just could good communication is key so like in anything else yeah. that you're learning so it's kind of equated a little bit to learning how to ski because that's something that's that people are you can be completely uncomfortable doing and just like getting in the pool and you just need somebody to hear what you're saying and you want to be able to explain to them 
that you have these fears and that you need a little bit more um, time before you jump in and do something hard. Um, so it's, yeah, communication, finding the right instructor, uh, and then just sort of be willing to have a, just to get over those hurdles um, and yeah. the fears. Perfect. So yeah, let's move on to the next question from Lara J. And she said, is there a way to work on overcoming the discomfort of putting my face in the water? And then ask how much drag do I add by swimming without putting my face in? Well, you're going to want to eventually learn how to put your face in because that's the most efficient way to swim. It becomes the most comfortable way. So you have that as your goal and just know that it's going to be where you want to end up. So if you're swimming with your face out of the water, maybe it's breaststroke. Maybe you do a lot of backstroke. Uh, maybe you're using the kickboard. And that's a, those are all great things to do to get that comfort in the water that you need to eventually build upon and put your face in. So getting in and swimming, number one, even if it's that you can't put your face in the water, just getting in and swimming and getting comfortable with water, that is a great thing to do. Um, we do, I, I use um, a snorkel, which is not your snorkel that you find for scuba diving and snorkeling, but a swim specific snorkel that you can get that will allow you to put your face in the water and not have to worry about breathing. And that's a great tool to use um, when you want to make that jump into putting your face in the water. Nice. Okay. Callie Z is asking swim etiquette. What is it? Are there certain lanes for certain strokes? How do you figure out how to ask to share a lane? I mean, that's definitely intimidating, especially with everybody with their head down in the water. <laughs> you know, it's not mm -hmm. like they, you know, they're like waving, like, come join me, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, I'm so glad that uh, you asked this question because it's just a couple little things you need to know, and then you'll be very comfortable going into any pool. Uh, the first the first thing is that um, when you get to a pool, most, li most likely they'll have signs or cones at the end of each lane designating slow, medium, fast. And just be honest with yourself. If you're not a fast swimmer and you're a beginner, don't go in that lane because you'll have people swimming fast and it won't be fun. Uh, so say, you know, if you're a beginner, go into the slow lane. Don't take that to mean that you're slow. It's just relative to who's in the pool right now. And the next thing you're going to have to think about is whether they're going to circle or split the lane. And those are that's sort of the one thing you need to, need to know as far as like swim terminology could start off with. Circling means that you go in a anti-clockwise around the lane. So up the right side, down the right side. If there are only two people in the lane, you can split the lane, which means you each go on your own side and you stay onto the other side. Either of those are perfectly fine things to do. You just need to communicate to the person in the lane what you're doing so you don't bang into each other. And that's really what you need to, to learn to start when you first get to the pool. Go in the right lane and know if you're circling or splitting the lane. And people and the people in most likely will know what you're talking about. And you just want to communicate that. I've seen a lot of people get into the pool, banging to each other, and then everybody gets upset. So mm -hmm. just you know, <laughs> make sure you know that both parties involved know what you're doing. And if there's more than two people in a the lane, then it's always circling. And if there's only one person, you can do whatever you want. Yeah. 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 I think that's something we've all dealt with is the angry lane mate. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Even yeah. as a very experienced swimmer, I, I bumped into somebody the other day, even after we even had the conversation. So um, <laughs> it happens, but uh, you, you want to be the, you don't want to be the person who causes it. Um, right. Just and that then, level of communication. Um, you know, just good. the other thing is like, 
uh, as far as etiquette goes, is if you do have um, multiple people in a lane and you are the slower person and somebody taps your feet, then defer to them, let them go around you, maybe slow down a little bit, hold on to the lane rope, or if you're near the wall, wait, you know, wait at the wall, let them go ahead of you. You know, sometimes people, it's kind of like in cycling or running and you're passing somebody that all of a sudden they speed up to, and you can't get around them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. And then the other thing is just like clean up after yourself when you're done. You have a bunch of toys all over the pool deck. Just put them back when you're done. Yeah. Put those kickboards back and paddles back and help help yeah. the lifeguards out. Okay, let me just add something. I think it's like if you are anxious about sharing, I mean, even... I, I'm a pretty experienced swimmer, but, you know, my speed comes and goes depending upon how many times I've been in the water recently. And circle swimming to me sometimes is intimidating still if I don't know, you know, if I don't know where to seed myself. So I really, I, I'm really a big proponent for splitting the lane if you can do that, if you're feeling like, oh, I don't know, because that way then you can breaststroke up and down the left side of the lane and just stay on that, you know, just stay hugging the, you know, the far uh, lane line and the other person can, you know, do sprints on the other side and it doesn't matter. Um, and one of the things too, sometimes is when people are doing like big long sets, like say that there's like swimming a thousand straight or something like that. And they're not putting their head up or their flip turning at the end. Sometimes I'll just sit down and like put my legs in the water, like dangle my legs in the water, like on the side that they're not swimming mostly on. This is if they're in the lane by themselves and like, let them see that I'm coming in. Um, and so, and then just kind of slowly kind of take over that space. I mean, if, if you're in a community pool, you're going to have to share your lane. Like, you know, no one gets a lane to themselves if it's a busy time. Cause sometimes you're like, God, do I like, do I bonk them on the head to ask if I can come right. in? And I'm just like, I just kind of slowly slide in and they see your legs in the water and they'll see you standing in the shallow end, you know, as you put your goggles on and things like that. And, and they'll just keep doing what they're doing. Yeah. That's a really good tactic because also, no one really wants to be stopped. If there's somebody's doing a workout and yeah. they just start, you know, they started a thousand or whatever it is, and then someone stops them, like that's pretty. It feels rude. <laughs> so yeah, um, yeah, I love your strategy. Just ease yourself in, get yourself noticed. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so moving on to a common theme from several women who chimed in, which centers around anxiety, which is only heightened heightened in open water swimming when you don't have the benefit of clear water to be able to see. And of course, that triggers fear. So Aaron D says, how can you stay calm while trying not to think about the quote unquote monsters under the water that will surely grab your leg in open water? This is something that I deal with a lot in um, new triathletes and, and, and any level triathletes, actually, because you don't know what's under there. And sometimes you, a lot of you know, open water swims are just very dark. I prefer the dark because I don't want to know what's down there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're jumping into this big unknown. And so the first thing I tell people is that whatever's down there is most likely more afraid of you than that you are of them. So we're not, and most likely we're not talking sharks. Like there aren't sharks in so. Even we think in our head, there's going to be sharks there. Even we're swimming in a lake, you know, there are sharks in a lake, but we still think that. Uh, and <laughs> I just have to tell people that they're going to be swimming away from you. So in the off chance that you br- brush something, like sometimes that that has happened to me where I'm like, oh, that felt like a big fish. They're hitting you and going, they're getting out of it. They're not there to stay and eat you. Another thing is that you know, if you if you do think about it, you are scared. So you can use that fear to sort of keep you going, make you go faster, uh, make you move your arms faster. 
and use it to your advantage rather than letting it paralyze you. And, you know, also like if you are swimming in a, um, like somewhere where there's a reef and you can actually see stuff, I just, you know, pretend like you're in a happy place. You're the little mermaid swimming through this beautiful place and using that to sort of give you a positive mindset. But if it's a black unknown, uh, just swim fast. <laughs> <laughs> I will say that does give you a definitely that jolt of adrenaline when you hit like seaweed or a fish or something. You're just like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, I'm out of here. I'm out of here. But then, then, I mean, I'm joking about like, you know, the, you know, swim fast but that can like really people can very get very um scared and get a, it can turn into a panic attack which just feels you know awful and you want to stop and you you have to stop a lot of people have to stop so um in that case i just advise you know flipping over onto your back taking a few breaths of air and just realize okay this is about me finishing the swim not finishing as fast as i can so resetting by taking a few backstrokes you know just calm breathing calm yourself down and then start over. I like that. That's a good, good suggestion. And, and obviously, you know, safety first, right. You're going to go with somebody else or you're going to be in a open water swim situation most of the time. Right. So that um, Mm -hmm. I'm always like, Oh, they're going to get them. You know, the bear only gets the, gets the slowest person, right. (laughs) (laughs) Something like that. Some kind of cliche. Okay. So Megan W is asking, um, I'm a new swimmer. She wants to do a triathlon in May of 2024, which is awesome. Um, she said it took several months just to calm my anxiety in the water. Now she says she swims decently as long as she has fins on, but as soon as she takes those off, she feels like she's going nowhere. So what advice do you have Laurel to have somebody transition to swimming with no fins and then, and feeling more confident? Um, uh, this is something that happens a lot because fins, um, are a great tool, great learning tool. When you first start learning how to swim, you feel amazing with the, with the fins. And then the key is just to sort of slowly taper yourself off of the fins. So whether, you know, going cold Turkey may work, but it sounds like it's not working for her. So I would just take it 25 by 25. So you do your workout in, with fins in the pool and then, you know, the, the last hundred, you say, I'm not going to wear the fins today. Or you start by doing no fins for a hundred and then the rest of it and reward yourself with fins for the rest of it. And then just take it 25 by 25. Every time you go to the pool, you do a little bit more swimming without the fins and a little less swimming with the fins. And this is where an instructor can really help you because when you take the fins off, you may feel like your stroke is completely falling apart and you're sinking. And just even one lesson with a private instructor could just allow you to know what it is that is making you feel that way and put put a little, a couple of little tips to get you swimming better without the fins. Nice. And just to clarify, the fins keep you more buoyant and they help your speed as well, right? They really help your body position. They lengthen you out so that um, your body is closer to the surface of the water, which is what you want. the, The goal in swimming is to have your body your entire body, not just your head, but your from your fingertips to your toes, as close to the t- surface of the water as possible. So fans really kind of put you in that position. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're going to go back to open water for a second with Amanda G, who says, when I'm in open water, it seems more difficult to breathe. She said she does bilateral breathing in the pool, but then she gets into open water and she is just breathing to one side for every stroke and says, is that normal? Yes, that is definitely normal. And uh, one of the things I always say to people is that it's it's okay to breathe every stroke. In fact, it's better to breathe every stroke when you're doing a very long distance swim. Uh, you look if you look at um, 
any long distance, like Olympian, they're going to be swimming, they're breathing every single stroke. It's always good to have the ability to do bilateral breathing in your back pocket in case you run into a wave that's crashing on one side or a really strong sun that's that is you don't feel like looking at every single time you breathe. So it's okay to breathe every stroke in open water. It probably happens. It sounds like it might be happening because sometimes you feel like you get a little uncomfortable and you feel like you need to breathe more. And that's actually fine. More air is better. So I wouldn't feel like insecure about that at all. Mm -hmm. And also sighting as well. Like you, you do want to lift your head up more in open water. So you see where you're going, right? Yeah. So, um, sighting is a great thing to practice in the pool before you try it outside. Um, and with my tri the triathletes that I coach and some of the open water swimmers, we'll do, um, we'll do drills and then we'll do sighting. We'll, we'll do drill swim. So we'll do drill down and then swim with sighting every three strokes in the pool. So you just, you work on that skill of lifting your head, not lifting your head too much. You really just only want your eyes. Your, it's only your eyes that are seeing. So you don't have to have your whole head out. Your mouth doesn't need to be out. It's just about looking. So those drills in the pool are really good to do before you go outside. If you lift your head up too much, you start sinking. And we, like I was saying before, you always want to be the top of the surface of the water, your body, the whole, your whole body. All right, hang out for a second and we'll jump back in after a few words from these advertisers. Okay, well, so um, Jess wants to know, well, let's go back to the pool and like, kind of more back to a beginner mindset. So Jess W is asking, for those of us who aren't strong swimmers and are tired after one to two laps, how can they increase their endurance? The best way to increase your endurance in swimming is just to get to the pool. So if you can go more than once a week, that will be very helpful to you. Three times a week, swimming three times a week is ideal to get for increasing your endurance um and then also building your your amount of time when you are at the pool if you get to the pool and you can only do 20 minutes three times a week that's that's pretty good and keeping con a consistent schedule like that is what will help you be able to take you know not get tired after a couple minutes it's really about time in the pool Okay, but let's talk about, so what could like, so, I mean, the, the beauty of swimming is you do get breaks. <laughs> it's not like running where you have to wait for a, a stoplight um, to make it feel like you get a legit break, right? Um, but so if she's like swimming, is there such a thing as trying too hard or, you know, um, you know, because swimming, I guess, you know, the, the more efficient you are, the less energy you're going to use. So is that something where also like a lesson would benefit or switching up her strokes or like, how do you kind of extend that time in the pool just, you know, to go from 20 to 25? Yeah. The key is really just staying really relaxed and not, like you said, not using all the energy, all of your energy and being very efficient with all the energy you do have. So sometimes people will get in and just start swimming, moving their arms really fast and kicking really hard. And then and after 25, it's like, well, how I'm so tired. You need, you know, I need to take a break. You can actually go the same speed as you just did by relaxing a lot more. So a lot of times we say like swim slow to swim fast. So it's almost, it almost feels like you're swimming in slow motion, but you're really not. You're actually going to be using, going the same speed 
and using less energy, which allows you to go longer distances. Nice. Mm-hmm. So, all right. So you just spoke to some um, swim specifics about gently increasing distance. Tara D says, while she has no plans to race, she still wants to cut her 500 meter time down as something to work towards. So she's wondering how she can do that, work on her building her speed so she can reduce her 500 time. So like I was just saying, getting in the pool at least three times a week. One time a week, you're not going to get any real benefit, maybe just your skills. But three times a week really will help your aerobic base. And that's the first thing you want to, if you're looking to get a time to drop some time in 500, that's the first thing you want a good aerobic base, which means like Dimity was saying, just the ability to just swim without being tired for a long time. Even if you're, you know, you're working on a 500, you want to be able to swim a 1500, no problems. Mm-hmm. So getting in the time in the pool, getting in the aerobic base, and then from there, you can start working on specific paces for your 500. And there are specific workouts that you can do. For example, uh, you can work on your 100 meter time. So at a pace that you think you can do for a 500 and really making sure that you can do 100 at that time and then 100 a little bit faster than that time. And, um, or maybe it's 50. So working on your specific pace would be like the third piece of it. And in that case, would you, I mean, I know like you just use a watch, right? You bring your watch to the pool or there's clocks or like, you know. Um, Almost every pool has a clock. So you don't even need your your own watch. You can use the clock on the wall at the pool. Mm -hmm. And not, and usually, I mean, just talk a little bit. So like if you, again, rest is, is very common in pool swimming. So like if you were doing a hundred, say, to say that she wanted just to make it easy, um, you know, she, she wanted to swim up 510 minutes. So that looks like, you know, a hundred, two minutes for every 100. Right. So, um, and so if say, if she wanted to try to do five one hundreds on the two minutes, Laurel, like how much rest would you give her in between those one hundreds, like 10 to so, 15 seconds? Yeah. So it's you're swimming, you get, you, you do get a lot of rest. So we call intervals in swimming and do include the rest. So it's different from running, for example, where you say five times two minutes and you swim for two minutes. In swimming, we say five 100s on two minutes, meaning you want to swim under two minutes and get some rest. So your rest is anywhere between 10 to 15 seconds, 10 to 20 seconds, something like that. So if you're doing, if you want to work on breaking 10 in the 500, that's at two minutes per 100 pace. You want to be able to swim about 150, ideally, and get 10 seconds rest. Nice, nice. And I've seen it just, just to, to be clear. 10 to 20 seconds rest. Yeah, 10 to 20 seconds rest. Yeah. And Laurel, I, I agree with you. Like, that's definitely how the swimmers, like, when you are on a swim team, that's what you're, you're going to do it on the two minutes. You're going to do it on the 130, whatever. But there's also, I've also been assigned workouts from coaches where it's like, okay, do 100, um, see how long it takes you, you know, and then rest 10 seconds or rest 15 seconds. So, you know, if you, Tara tries to go and do, a hundred on the two minutes and comes in right at two minutes. Like that's probably too ambitious of an interval, right? Yeah. And then over time, like you can um, reduce your rest. So maybe she just, she comes in at like one fifty nine, and, but then has to rest a whole minute to do another one fifty nine. Then we, you know, the next, you know, maybe she's then she just does them on that interval to start and then cuts the interval down. So she still gets the swim at the same time or faster, a little bit faster, but her rest gets cut down. 
I get it. Yep, it definitely does. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Well, so swimming is low impact and less likely to lead to injury, which we like. But that's not to say that it doesn't leave you sore and it can injure your shoulders easily too. Um, so Sarah D is asking, she says, I'm a regular lap swimmer and my shoulders and lats have been talking to me lately. Any advice on stretching, strength building, foam rolling for swimmers? How do you com- kind of take care of that upper body outside of the pool? So um, upper body weightlifting is always a good idea. Uh, you don't have to do a lot, if, but if you do, you know, some classes or um, some basic upper body can't hurt. Uh, I really like to do Pilates. The upper body and core element of Pilates really translates well for my swimming and do that twice a week. And you can also do um, some foam rolling to sort of open up your shoulders. So a lot of times we get really tight in our shoulders, which then can lead to more of an injury. So if you, um, one of my favorite things to do is if you take a foam roller vertically and then just lay on it it doesn't feel that great at first but then it just allows your shoulders to sort of like fall over to the side and really opens up the front of your shoulder which is which is what kind of closes down when you swim a lot and that can really help there's a bunch of other things that you could probably do with that but those are that's kind of like what i like to recommend and do great all right so that's about all the time that we have with you laurel speaking of pilates you're about to go to your pilates class um we had so many questions so uh, we'll probably have to do a part two or maybe we'll have you do something online because there are a lot more questions even coming in today so thank you this was a good start and i hope it encourages everybody to get that get into the pool soon i know i want to go swimming this afternoon I know. I don't, I know. I'm getting like, oh yeah, it's, it feels good. It feels good. So thank you, Laurel. You're a great resource. All right. Well, thank you. Um, this is really great to chat about swimming and I'm happy to answer any further questions. After hearing from Laurel, we hope you're inspired to take the plunge into the pool yourself this summer. But in case you need another nudge, then listen up as our next guest will likely provide the motivation you need to believe that you can get in the pool as well. Meet Kathy Johnson, who identifies as a beginner swimmer and recently stepped way out of her comfort zone to embrace her fear of swimming head on. Kathy is a mom of two from Sewickley, Pennsylvania, who just started swimming last fall and is now training for her first open water swim, a 1.2 mile swim across Cayuga Lake in Ithaca, New York. And we should also add that Kathy is uh, coached by Laurel. So welcome, Kathy. Thanks so much for having me. That's great. So we're excited to have you tell us, Kathy, how you went from a non-swimmer to a swimmer in just over a year. What sparked your interest to, to get in the pool? Well, so actually last summer I was training for the Chicago Marathon and um, I had just been coming off an MCL injury from skiing and I ramped up my training too fast and ended up with another injury. Um, this time I had a hip stress fracture and I was on oh, crutches. All, yeah, it was a bummer. Um <laughs> Literally, the last thing that I expected the doctor to say was that I had a hip fracture. Um, So, you know, obviously I was in pain, but I just didn't know what it was. So all of last fall, I was on crutches and I was used to being super active and playing tennis and, of course, running a lot, preparing for the marathon. 
And when I was on crutches, I couldn't do anything, you know? So my husband also trains with Laurel. Um, he's an Ironman triathlete. And so he really encouraged me to start swimming. So really that was the, the impetus was, you know, I couldn't do anything else. So um, it was just the one thing that I could do to stay active. <laughs> yeah. It was at the bottom of the barrel and you decided that you would give it a go. <laughs> well, you know, I had been swimming a little bit with friends. We'd meet at the pool, but it was more like we would side stroke and chat and then kickboard and chat. <laughs> that was kind of it. Sure, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing too serious. So when you first decided to swim more seriously, what were you most afraid of and how did you learn to overcome those fears? Well, so my biggest fear and also really an issue was that I couldn't breathe. So um, the reason I would side stroke with friends and kickboard was so that I didn't have to put my face in the water because I was water safe, but, you know, I could swim, but I couldn't do the breathing part. You know, if I tried to go across the pool, I would get almost like a panic attack, like that feeling in my chest where I would get really tight and out of breath. And I mean, I could hardly make it across the pool. It was horrible. So that yeah. that was my main issue. The hip stress fracture sort of put me in this place where I was like, okay, well, now's my time to learn to swim and to focus on swimming. And in order to kind of jump right into it, I decided to use a snorkel. So I was able to ramp up swim workouts and do mostly pulse swimming. So my upper body, because, you know, I was on crutches and had to really not use my legs too much. So the snorkel was able to get me kind of over that hump and comfortable with the swimming part. And then it was later that I started weaning off the snorkel and now I can swim without it, which is super exciting. But yeah, so that was my biggest fear. And also the biggest obstacle for me to swim was the breathing. Yeah. So were you scared to put your face in the water, Kathy, or was it just more the breathing yeah, I was okay, like going underwater. It's just like going across the pool. I just couldn't get enough air. And then, you know, when I first would try swimming without the snorkel, even like the first day, I was like, okay, I can swim. And then I, I just, I just couldn't do it. Like I couldn't get across the pool. <laughs> it was horrible. Sure, sure. Yeah. And so, so the snorkel is super helpful. I mean, I mm -hmm. started using one. So again, we talked about it a little bit with Laurel. It's a swim snorkel. So it goes yes. straight up and it's not, it's not like one you use for scuba diving or snorkeling. And uh, it fits really nicely tight on your head. Liz, the coach that I used, suggested having a nose plug. Did you use a nose plug as well, Kathy? Yeah. So I use that not? same kind of, yeah. So I use that same kind of snorkel and also a nose plug. Yeah, the nose plug helps because then you just you only have one way in and out. <laughs> you have no confusion yeah, exactly. about where the breath is going. Yeah, yep, yeah, exactly. and it is. It's great because and, and so I used it because I had neck problems and I so neck and shoulder problems. So it, I didn't have uh, to breathe. I didn't have to turn my head to breathe. Um, so yep. that's another reason to use it. For, there's a lots of reasons to use it, but um, so so did you that first couple workouts with a snorkel? Did you feel like talk about kind of your progression to? feeling maybe a little bit uneasy to feeling like, okay, this is, this is comfortable. Hopefully that was your progression. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was, you know, it just took a while. So I had Laurel coaching me remotely. I'm just outside Pittsburgh and she's in New York city. So, you know, she was providing the workouts for me and initially they were super short. You know, I, I couldn't do what would be now like a full swim workout, like 800 yards, a thousand yards. Like that was a lot for me. 
and I took some swim lessons. I'm super fortunate to live really close to a pool. Um, I could walk to the Y near us. So, you know, I was able to take swim lessons locally and um, work on my stroke and just, you know, body position and that sort of thing. So, you know, working on the skills while not having to worry so much about the breathing. And then as yeah. I became more comfortable, then I was able to do longer swim workouts and longer intervals and stuff. Nice. Mm -hmm. And did you, when you went to the Y, I'm curious, we talked about this. Did you just, did you take an adult swim class or did you just um, go introduce yourself and say, do you have someone that works with adult swimmers or how did you find that person to help you? Right. You know, I just, I just asked, um, gosh, I can't even remember how I found out, but there's a wonderful instructor. So I just did a private lesson, which was super mm -hmm. helpful because it was just super targeted on what I needed. And she'd give me just enough. And then you know, I do my swim workouts for the week and practice it. And it's not even that I had lessons every week. It was more just, you know, every few weeks or, you know, every so often when I would find like I was ready to kind of learn the next thing. And then especially when I was ready to give up the snorkel, you know, to kind of have someone almost forcing me because, it's, you know, mm -hmm. I knew I had to practice without the snorkel, but it was just so uncomfortable that when I had the lesson, I knew that's what we were working on. And it kind of kept me disciplined to, to practice. Mm -hmm. So you're now snorkel free, yeah. right? Yes. When you're swimming and you're stepping out of the pool, you're going to do a 1.2 mile swim across a huge lake. So Share more about that decision and that journey, uh, you know, that you've had in this such short span of time that you've been able to progress so much. What does that mean about life in general for you? And just also like, what was that like? Yeah, so I'm training like a triathlete now, but I'm not a <laughs> triathlete. I don't have any triathlons or races planned, but I like to have different goals to work towards. And when I was first swimming, my main goal was to swim without a snorkel by summer. So when we go to the pool as a family, I could, you know, swim without a snorkel. So that was my big goal, which I've accomplished. And I'm super happy about. But then once I did that, I'm like, okay, well, what else do I want to do? My husband does Ironman races and we are just in Western Mass for the race this weekend. And it's super fun. And I love being there to support it, but I'm not quite ready to do that. So mm -hmm. I have a couple childhood friends that do this swim across Cayuga Lake. And for me, it it's going to be, well, we used to live in Ithaca when my husband was in business school. So I love going to Ithaca in summer. It's beautiful. And it's the most supportive first open water swim I think that I could find. It's all women. Um, it's a fundraiser for hospice care. So it's for a good cause. And it's not that crazy beginning of the race where everybody's getting into the water like a mosh pit going across. You know, it's, it's none of that. It's like little pods of women that go across the lake together. I've heard some women mm -hmm. back flow and just kick. It's, n it's not like a race. It's a super supportive. Mm -hmm. So for me, it seems like the best kind of way to test the waters a little to see how I like open water swims. So I ordered a wetsuit and we have a local tri club that does open water swims um, here locally. So I'll, you know, do a few practice runs just to feel comfortable in the wetsuit and see what it feels like to, to swim in the open water. I know in past years, sometimes the water is super calm, but one year there was a breeze coming from the north side of the lake. 
So you had to, to breathe the whole time on your left side, which is my bad side. <laughs> so, you know, that's something I'm like, okay, well, I have, you know, you just never know what race day, you know, it's not a race, but you know, you never know what the day is going to bring. So I'm just trying to prepare mm-hmm. and practice breathing, not just to my good side, but, you know, to both sides and, um, you know, just try to be as ready as I can. Yeah. And that's this summer that you're training, right? Is yeah. Or is it next? Okay. Oh no, it's this summer. It's a few months. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's coming um, pretty soon. It's in August, mid August. I forget the exact date. Mm -hmm. That sounds like a great event too. I love, I love how like, yeah, if you go like with with pods of women and it's not, you know, not super intense and just go and kind of enjoy, enjoy being in the lake and, and um, working it out, especially if you are a newer swimmer, that's going to be great for you. Exactly. Yeah. Cool. Well, so Kathy, since you are seriously a swimming success story, I hope that you realize that. Can you (laughs) offer some advice to people who are maybe a little intimidated to start or, you know, maybe, you know, I don't know, just talk a little bit about what, you know, if you had a friend who was scared to get in the pool, what would you tell them? Well, I actually have a bunch of friends here that often say to me, oh, I wish I could swim, or I've always thought about starting swimming. And that that really was me before my hip injury. So, you know, the best advice I could give is just to do whatever you need to do to get comfortable. Like if you need to swim with a snorkel, use a snorkel. It's fine. Use a nose plug, take a swim lesson, and just get into that kind of cadence. Because you know, I was, it was the only thing I could do. So I went to the pool three, four times a week and I never missed it, you know? So that practice and routine really helped. I think if I only went here and there, I probably wouldn't have gotten over that hump of feeling comfortable in the water. So, you know, whether it's finding a friend and meeting at the pool together, so you have, you know, some incentive or um, using a, a snorkel if breathing is the issue or, you know, whatever little modification you need to make, I think it's worth it no matter what your age is, because it's something that you can do for your whole life. I've met so many people at the pool that have had injuries, or I've shared a lane with an 88 year old man who goes and swims his 1500 yards. And, you know, it's, it's just so wonderful to put in that effort and then to be able to do it for the rest of your life. Yeah, hopefully this will be the start of something that you do and you continue to enjoy it as much as you've been enjoying it and maybe more lake swims or whatever it is in your future. It sounds like you, you've you got a lot to look forward to. So best of luck. I hope those winds are friendly for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, And, and then you don't have to only breathe on your left side because oh, I know gosh. that you know that's something you don't want to even be. I, I bet once you're in, you're not even going to think about it. It's just yeah. going to be so fun. Thank you. Thanks so much, Kathy. Good luck. Let us know how it goes. Thank you. I will. Thanks for having me. Nice to meet you. You too. Okay, ladies, this is truly our last call for Better Together. It closes this week. So if you're thinking about running the Indianapolis Half or Marathon, we would love for you to join us in Better Together, the program we are where we're going to pair up new runners or women that are coming back after a longer break in the half marathon and marathon with mentor runners, women who have run a half marathon or marathon a number of times and are ready to cheer you on through every step. So take a minute um, and head to the show notes and you'll see the link there. You're, we're gonna, going to train together 
as a team virtually. And then we're going to gather in Indianapolis on October 28th to cross a finish line you'll never forget. We are in need of um, marathon mentors particularly, but we are looking for all kinds of runners. So whether you want to be a first timer or you want to mentor a half marathoner or a marathoner, head to the show notes, check out that link, and we'll see you in Indy. Our podcast today was produced by Barry Medore of Fire on the Bluff in St. Paul, Minnesota.